0: In September of 1752, the people of England fell asleep on a Wednesday and woke up on a Thursday, 11 days later. How did this happen? That's ahead this week on Footnoting History. Hello, 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 and welcome to Footnoting History. My name is Nathan, and today I'd like to talk a little bit about calendars. The year this episode is originally airing, 2016, is a leap year, which means that we add an extra day onto the month of February. But have you ever wondered why we have the leap day of February 29th? Or why it gets tacked on to February and not December or April? To answer those questions, we have to go back over two millennia to the first century BC. Historically speaking, there have been two major ways of creating a calendar to keep track of the passing of time. The first is to use a solar calendar, sometimes called the tropical year, which tracks how long it takes the sun to cycle through all four seasons and return to the same position in the sky. This is different from the actual time it takes for the Earth to make a full rotational orbit around the sun, which is called a sidereal year, and is in fact very slightly shorter than a solar year. Human beings have known since the ancient world that the length of a solar year is 365 and one-quarter days. The practice of having a calendar of 365 days in length was therefore used by many ancient cultures, particularly in ancient Egypt. The other main method of calendar calculation is that of the lunar year. During the course of one solar year, the moon will go through 12 cycles of 29 to 30-ish days, and so some cultures, like the Babylonians, Hebrews, and Muslims, base their calendar in whole or in part on a lunar cycle, giving us the division of the month. The problem with lunar calendars is that they only have about 355-ish days in them, depending on the calendar, and so very quickly fall out of sync with the seasons and with the major events of the solar cycle, namely the equinoxes and the solstices. To help with this problem, most lunar calendars introduce the concept of intercalary months. At regular intervals every few years, a buffer month will be introduced at some point in the calendar in order to set the cycle of months back into alignment with the seasons. Intercalation is also necessary in a solar calendar in order to offset the one-quarter day accumulated every year. Uh, This is why we have a leap day every four years. We're offsetting the extra 24 hours we've accumulated over the last four years. Which brings us to ancient Rome. Now the Romans had for centuries followed a modified lunar calendar of 12 months that irregularly alternated 29 and 31 days in length except for February, which had 28. This calendar was short by about 10 days from the solar cycle, and so, every so often, an intercalary month, uncreatively called Mensis intercalaris, was introduced at the end of February. Seems simple, right? Well, intercalaris itself was of variable length, either 27 or 28 days, and in years in which it was observed, five days would be subtracted from the end of February. Moreover, the observance of Intercolaris was not regularized and instead was left to the personal discretion of the High Priest of Rome, which was a very political office. So, more often than not, intercalary months were observed uh, either too infrequently or in successive years, and the Roman calendar was an utter mess. All of this changed in 46 BC. In that year, Julius Caesar, dictator of Rome, decided to fix the whole calendar problem once and for all and promulgated a new calendar for the Roman Republic. Under this new Julian calendar, the lengths of the months were adjusted to the lengths we observe today. 30 days half September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31 except for February. The lengthening of seven of the months to 30 or 31 days brought the calendar up to the necessary 365 days and a leap day was inserted into February every few years in order to account for the one-quarter day of the solar year. Initially, the leap day was supposed to occur every three years, though this was eventually corrected to four. Once it was adopted throughout the Roman Republic and in the Empire, the Julian calendar solved a host of issues. One of the most important is that it allowed civic and religious authorities to peg the equinoxes and solstices of the solar year to a particular date, This became important just over 350 years later at the first council of nicaea in 325 a.d the highest and most holy of days in the christian calendar is that of easter which marks the resurrection of christ from the dead originally the christian celebration of easter was directly linked to the jewish celebration of passover as jesus had been crucified just before passover the early christian church had few problems with this because christianity was at least at the start a jewish sect. But within a century or two, the Christian church distanced itself from its Jewish roots. And by the beginning of the fourth century, using the Jewish Passover as a marker was considered unacceptable. Moreover, by that time, Easter was customarily celebrated on a Sunday, regardless of when Passover actually fell during the week. Nicaea's proposed solution to this problem was to order that the whole Christian church celebrate Easter on a common day, which was usually reckoned as the first Sunday on or following the first full moon after the Julian calendar's fixed spring equinox of March 21st. An authoritative table for calculating the date of Easter, uh, also called a computus, was created first by a 6th century monk, Dionysius Exiguus, and it used a complicated system involving a 19-year lunar cycle. This system, after some tweaking, became the way that Easter was calculated, but it depended on the reliability of the Julian calendar and its spring equinox of March 21st. The Julian calendar was so effective that it continued to be used in Europe with only minor adjustments for over a millennium after the collapse, dissolution, whatever it is that we're calling the end of the Roman Empire, and then globally as European countries began conquering and establishing overseas empires in the 16th century. However, it was not perfect. It turns out that the solar year isn't exactly 365 and 1 quarter days, but more like 365 days, 5 hours, 48 minutes, and 45 seconds. Now, 11 minutes and 15 seconds might not seem like much, but over centuries and millennia, it can add up, to the tune of one day every 134 years. By the year 1500, the spring solstice of the Julian calendar was 10 days off from where it should have been in relation to the solar cycle. Moreover, the nineteen-year lunar cycle was also flawed, and fell out of line one day every three hundred and ten years. By 1500, the calculation tables were four days out of alignment with the actual lunar cycle. While there had been various attempts to fix the calendar uh, in the later Middle Ages, none of them really took off, and change didn't come until Pope Gregory XIII ordered a reformation of the calendar and the Easter calculation tables in 1582. The new Gregorian calendar adjusted for the problem of accumulated leap days by adopting the rule that years divisible by 100 would have a leap day only if they were also divisible by 400. Hence the year 2000 was a leap year, but 1900 and 1800 were not. The computer's tables were also overhauled to account for their drift and new calculation of leap days in order to bring the date of Easter back into alignment with the practice of the early church in order to institute the new calendar and fix the date of easter gregory ordered that 10 days be stricken from the calendar during the month of october 1582. the catholic states of europe were relatively quick to adopt the new calendar and most did so within a year however by this time a large chunk of northern europe was protestant and they were understandably rather reluctant to change their calendar because of the dictates of a pope of rome This reluctance stretched on for over a hundred years, and it wasn't until the end of the 17th, beginning of the 18th century that Protestant Europe began to adopt the reformed Gregorian calendar, by which point the calendar was now 11 days off. Which brings us to the United Kingdom. The UK was one of the last Protestant countries to officially adopt the Gregorian calendar. There had been efforts for the last century to switch out of the Julian calendar, and many court officials had long been in favor of the change. The difference in the calendars was an increasing source of consternation. Imagine the confusion surrounding issues like trade and commerce. You cross the English Channel, and you suddenly lose a week and a half. Nevertheless, the reluctance to accept a Catholic calendar was too difficult to swallow, and it wasn't until 1750 that these measures found the necessary parliamentary support to pass the Calendar Reform Act of 1750, which was amended the following year, and not fully implemented until 1752. The Act had to include a significant number of provisions outlining how rents, contracts, the legal year, and holidays were to be dealt with, and it moved the beginning of the legal year in England from the 25th of March to January 1st. And so the people of Britain and her colonies went to bed on September 2, 1752, and awoke the next morning on September 14th. While there were naturally some bumps in getting the calendar fully implemented and everyone on the same page, these disruptions were relatively minor. Curiously then by the end of the 18th century there developed a popular belief that in fact the calendar change had not gone smoothly This story which was repeated again throughout the 19th century Claimed that there had been massive riots when the calendar reform was implemented as commoners of England revolted demanding the return of their 11 lost days It turns out that this was entirely untrue there were no mass revolts to the calendar reform The belief seems to have emerged in response to a satirical painting by the English artist William Hogarth called an election entertainment, which lampooned certain parts of the conservative Tory party for their dissatisfaction with the implementation of the calendar reform. At the bottom of the painting is a black protest banner bearing the words, Give us our 11 days, the only evidence for a riot which never happened. Interestingly, the UK was not the last European country to adopt the Gregorian calendar. Bulgaria switched over in 1916 during World War I, and Russia did not change until after the Bolshevik Revolution which brought Lenin to power in 1917. That revolution, which for the Russians took place in October, and is therefore traditionally called the October Revolution, occurred for the rest of Europe in November. By the time the change was implemented in February 1918, the Russians had to drop 13 days from the calendar in order to align with the rest of Europe. However, Russia was not, in fact, the last European country to switch. That distinction belongs to Greece, which implemented the reform in 1923 following a military coup the previous year. The Greek and Russian reforms, however, were civil, secular reforms. Remember that the Gregorian calendar changed not only the formula for leap days, but the method for calculating the date of Easter as well. To this day, the Orthodox churches continue to use a modified version of the Julian calendar for their calculations of the date of Easter. The Orthodox and Catholic churches also use different dates for the equinox and the full moon, which is why Orthodox and Catholic Easter dates often fall on different Sundays. So, while they may not have caused riots in 1752, the calendar is still very much up for debate. This has been Footnoting History. If you like the podcast, be sure to visit our website, footnotinghistory.com, where you can find links to further reading suggestions related to this week's episode, as well as a calendar of upcoming podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at HistoryFootnote. Until next time, remember the best stories are always in the footnotes.